Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to Home Education Matters. Today I'm joined by Melissa, who's going to be guiding us through psychology and sociology at GCSE. And these are, they're not so much tricky to take, but I think they're unusual choices that home educators don't always realise are open to them. So Melissa, the floor is yours. Tell us all about them. Thank you for having me, first of all. It's uh, very exciting to be here to talk about these amazing subjects. Um, And I think you're right. Yes, they're they're often tricky in some respects because they're often new at GCSE. They used to be new at A-level and I'm really, really pleased that they've got them in at GCSE because they're really interesting and it, and it gives students a real kind of guide before jumping straight into an A-level. There's no run-up from Key Stage 3? Yeah, no, not specifically. There's, there's elements and I suppose certain skills and things will feed in. But yeah, they're kind of brand new um, concepts, I suppose. And with things like the, the theory, the theorists in sociology, they're, they're brand new. I think that's what makes them so popular, actually, with students is because they are fresh and new and they feel a bit exciting and they feel a bit different. And sometimes you can get to 14 and you can look at your choices and think, oh, my God, two more years of geography. No, like, shoot me now. Whereas sociology and psychology, at least you think, well, that's new. Don't know anything about that. And I think that actually plays in its favour. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. And I I think the fact that there's a lot more relevance, I think, as society develops as well, there's there's just so much all around that you, you can't watch the news or, or pick up a newspaper if people still pick up newspapers now uh, or anything really without having some reference to sociology and psychology and I think that's another thing young people particularly as well are becoming more sort of self-aware and aware of the world around them and I think that sparks the interest in the subjects and then the great thing is that when they're doing the subject I think it helps them to understand a lot about the, the lives they're living so I think it's um, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think there are certain subjects that ought to be mandatory. I'm very authoritarian like that. And I think that I think politics should be mandatory. I think economics to a degree or budgeting should be mandatory. I think some kind of well-being should be mandatory. And I think something like sociology or psychology and understanding of how you work and how other people work, I think it's just such a helpful subject for teenagers in particular. No, I 100% agree with you. And when I trained to be a teacher, there wasn't, there is now um, a psychology or a social sciences PGC you can do, but there wasn't at the time that I trained. I make myself sound really old there. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> citizenship, actually, because it was the nearest curriculum fit for my subject. And so I, I totally agree with you, the elements of the decision-making, politics, well-being, which all those kind of essential life skills, it's all, it's all life skills, isn't it, which is so crucial. So what is the main difference between psychology and sociology? Because they have quite a bit of crossover, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, and they're often, they, they go hand in hand. A lot of students do take both. Um, and sometimes we'll talk about things. I've actually had a lesson today where a sociology lesson and the student was like, oh, it's becoming a bit of a psychology lesson. And I was like, yeah, they, they do. Like, really well. um, I guess uh, in, in, in the simplest sense to explain it, psychology is more focused on them, the individual and human behaviour. Um, so it looks more into individual differences and all sorts of human behaviours on the on that level. And sociology is taking a bit wider and looking at the society. So again, that's how they feed in, because obviously by understanding individual differences, individual behaviour, you can then understand how individuals behave and act in social groups or, or societies and cultures and things like that. I got the sense, and this is probably completely wrong, so feel free to correct me, but I got the sense that psychology was slightly more scientific and sociology was a little bit more theory-based, you know, ideas-based. That's always uh, one of the 
still ongoing contentious debates about the subject to be fair <laughs> i'm um, glad i launched into that then <laughs> yeah it, oh, this, this could go we, we could we could have a great discussion on this it's one that's still debated on the one sense in terms of the subject i would say yes it, it, there's probably more science elements to psychology there's more scientific skills and i always say sociology is a little bit more um english and history um skilled based with the essays in terms of the science, um, because there's research methods and there's research in both, um, sociologists will conduct large-scale research, psychologists will conduct research. And one of the debates within uh, both fields is, can and should they be a science like the natural sciences? Sociologists will argue and disagree, and, uh, and so will psychologists on, on how we should study behaviour and things. So it's a, is it's a debate within a... Is classed as a science? It is, yes. But again, it's some places see it as a humanities, some, uh, some places see it as a science, but it is classed as a science. And something that I've been really excited about is the, the fact that the, again, the whole attitude to the subject and recognising it as a science has shifted now, which is, which is really good. It was seen, I know when I started studying it, it was seen as a bit of a soft subject, possibly mm. because it was new and not understood. My mum had the same attitude as well. She wasn't very happy when I first told her I was going to do psychology and sociology A-levels. It was like, what well, is... Um, and then I started studying them and she was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but then, then was very supportive. But yeah, in terms of the science, it's now accepted for quite a few universities for medicine as your second science, mm. which I think is a massive, massive shift because like you very said earlier. Very sensible it, as well, right? Yeah. And it's so important if you're going into medicine, you are going to be dealing with people and lots of conditions. And it's absolutely, it's a, I think it's a wonderful subject to link with medicine. So I'm really pleased that that's sort of shifting in that sense as well. And it's included in, under sciences now. What about sociology? Is that counted as a science or as a humanities generally? That's generally humanities or sometimes it, it's under the social sciences category. It's not, it wouldn't be sort of considered with the physics and biology sciences but sometimes you'll hear social sciences and the separation of it into there but otherwise humanities social sciences is one of those american terms that i find quite scary and i don't really understand it <laughs> I mean, what does that mean yeah, it, i don't know <laughs> yeah well, it means different things in different areas so for me um, when i hear social sciences it's psychology and sociology perhaps criminology as well i suppose that's the link between humanities and social sciences as well i've got a friend who um is, is in new zealand and social sciences there is uh, your what we'd call the humanities of history and geography. So mm. it's uh, the cultural lingo. <laughs> I know what you mean about psychology because one of my housemates at university was doing psychology, and I thought she there was there was there were five girls, two doing humanities, two doing science, and then the psychology student. And there was a slight war between us at which side she should be on. And the humanities girls, of which I was one, definitely claimed her as one of our own. And then one day she roped me in to help her with her dissertation, which was fascinating. And she wanted me just to say lots of words. And it was all about how if you hear just the first sound and the last sound, your brain fills in the middle sound. Quite interesting. And I realised it was completely scientific. The whole approach was very scientific. And, and I was quite sad to let her go from our little cabal, but I had to because it was clear that she was a science girl. And I think sometimes you're right that I think that that conception of psychology as being a bit of a filler subject, that's definitely shifting now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it is good because I think sometimes it can be a bit disheartening because it is a very challenging subject. There's a lot in it, particularly at GCSE, actually, that the shift between GCSE and A-level is actually not as big a jump, I don't think, as other subjects. There's a, mm. a lot um, and a lot of different skills. You've got your essay skills, you've got all the different knowledge, you've got the science, you've got biology elements, learning about brain structure and, and how everything works. 
how to conduct research scientifically in the process. So there's a lot in there. So it's good that that's, uh, it's recognised um, as a, the worthwhile subject and the challenging subject it is as well. Well, you mentioned challenging. And I wonder if perhaps the reason it there isn't such a big jump from GCSE to A-level is because the content is big for GCSE, isn't it? We looked at both psychology and sociology, and it was quite heavy, quite a lot of content. And my son, who naturally likes those kind of subjects, did veer away a little bit because he just thought, that's a lot. You know, I can't do that in a year, which is was his preference, really. Yeah, no, there was, there was a lot of content in the GCSE. Um, which, yeah, on, on the one hand, it, it can make it tricky, especially if we're doing it on a, on a shorter time scale. But then if you choose to continue it further, I guess it's uh, it reaps the benefits then, I suppose, because you've covered yeah. a lot. Yeah, you get into more depth. What are the exams like for psychology and sociology? I'm guessing there's no coursework component. No, it's a 100% exam base split between sort of two papers worth 50% each. It's mixed, I suppose. In terms of questions, this is where I think the big difference is when, when students say, oh, I'm going to choose one, which one's better? I, I then come back to comparing to other subjects in a way, because the heavier science elements, biology and things for psychology, there is a, a small essay part of it, but it's not as much as sociology. Sociology is more essay based and I suppose more deepening. There's, there's a depth of knowledge more and you can bring in a lot, uh, a lot of wider things from your understanding of society, whereas psychology, I guess, is a lot more, it's con- more content heavy, I would say. Mm. Yeah, so that's the main distinction between those two, but it's all exam based, yeah. So you mentioned this a little bit, but if you have a child, a home educated child, and perhaps you've noticed that they like, they're drawn towards you know, English, history, maybe geography, those kind of subjects, I'm, I'm guessing you might think sociology may be a better fit and perhaps if they're a bit more sciencey mathsy you might think maybe psychology is a better fit or would you uh, probably as you two to both recommend that they do both I'm obviously biased <laughs> and look with, um but yeah I think it's, it's a tricky one because for some for some students if they've got a preference and they like they prefer working in those ways and they want to have similarities between all the subjects that I would probably suggest gravitating to the one that fits um, the skills they like, but for, but for others, sometimes they want to do something different. So if they are doing English or history, those skills will, will be fantastic for sociology, but they might want to do psychology because it's the nature, it's a bit different and to not have one that as, as essay based. So it's, it's one of those um, personal preferences, really, and what they kind of want from it. That's true. And, and and they are both, as you say, quite relevant subjects to the world around them. So how much do you think you could enter those exams with just pre-existing knowledge? Or is there a lot of technical terminology, keywords, you know, theories and things that you need to know? Yeah, there, there's a lot of, of theories and things. Again, I think that's one of the things that made it hard to be recognised as, as a subject because they're relevant uh, around us. I think the idea was that, oh, we don't need to to study it it's it, you can sort of wing it and it is what it is but yeah there's a lot of uh, theories for both there's different approaches for psychology so uh, biopsychology and looking at how human behavior can be explained from that approach um looking at you need to know research studies and the you know the evidence based it's not just short-term memory is this capacity etc you've got to kind of know that well how do we know that well because these psychologists have done this research and this is what's good about that research etc so you have to kind of know all that content and the same with sociology, the different theoretical outlooks on society as well, and therefore what they say about different social issues. How much does your personal opinion come into it? Because I know that I taught religious studies for a while, and there's always lots of essay questions that are things like, in your opinion, justify your opinion. Do they have that kind of thing in either of those where you ha- you get to say, you know, I think that functionalism is crap, 
or whatever. <laughs> That's literally the extent of my sociology knowledge. So please don't ask me anymore. Someone's probably written. Someone's probably written that exact somewhere. <laughs> probably me. <laughs> um, yeah, to an extent, probably more so in in sociology. Um, again, you're going to have to put it in a in a third person. It won't specifically ask you. But you can kind of do it in um when you're judging there's a lot evaluations one of the one of the big skills for both so in the essay questions you'll be evaluating theories um or evaluating studies so you can kind of bring in your own viewpoints but in a third person way if that makes sense and, and in okay. the same way with social so well, it could be argued that functionalism um is not very useful because and it could be your personal opinion on it but you have you've kind of put it in a third person way so oh, that's interesting that. because in religious studies you get marked down on some questions if you don't say that it's your opinion but that's not the case in either of those subjects no no okay that's interesting it's nice as well that you're able to voice an opinion but i'm guessing from what you said that you have to justify it with valid arguments you can't just say it's crap <laughs> yeah uh, and again the, the 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 wonderful thing about it but also the tricky thing sometimes that there isn't you know because we're dealing with individuals and social situations and things there often isn't one clear-cut cause or one clear-cut theory that explains things best so it's kind of um what we'll do is teach the students the skills of what is classed as good scientific research and you know being being reliable and valid and can we generalize on those things and then they can use those skills to kind of make their decision on if that's a, a a good piece of research to explain memory or whatever it is, but but using those that terminology, I guess, and, and the same with sociology, really. I think some of those skills of being able to analyse, kind of like analyse sources, which you do in history, but also just be able to assess whether good whether research is good research, is something that I think in the modern world where there's you know links to this and that all over the internet that being able to critically analyze what you're reading is is a really vital skill particularly where we're surrounded by information all the time now oh yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah, not taking something at face value you know, those things that statistics can be presented in different ways or <laughs> okay 80 percent of people said this okay what, what was the sample size i then you asked 10 people so that's only, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and you, you get to do all those sorts of things and i agree it's it's crucially important with the amount of just opposing information in the world now and, and not sometimes not knowing what 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 can I trust what can I not trust and and what what's right it can be quite tricky for children can't it so in many ways you could say that these two subjects really build sort of critically aware children absolutely yeah absolutely and um, particularly there's um there's a lovely topic it's not in all in all exams it's on the Cambridge GCSE for sociology but one of the topics is the mass media and I think that I kind of wish it was on all exam boards because I think hmm. personally especially in society today it's a it's a fundamental one um you know we're surrounded by mass media and social media as well that it, understanding what goes into that is um is really powerful it's often people just have adults as well don't have a lot of awareness of it so learning about actually well who controls what we see and, and where that original information is coming from and being fed to us is really, really interesting. And, and again, for critical thinkers, essential, make make their own informed decisions. And I have long conversations with my children that normally instigate a certain amount of eye rolling on their part about the algorithms of social media and about how the reason that they're seeing 500 million posts about Minecraft is not because Minecraft is the center of the universe, but it's because they know that they like Minecraft and that's all that they're showing them. And I get a lot of eye rolling, but I, I think they take it on board because it becomes a little bit of a an echo chamber, doesn't it, sometimes? And I think children need to be aware. Or I think teenagers 
are probably quite savvy at this, but I think they need to be aware that what they're seeing is not just a cross section of the world. It's it's a microcosm of what social media thinks they need to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it can be, I think it can be a really hard concept to get your head around as well, can't it? Like, so even for adults, everything is just what it is. And we have access to these things and we've taken everything at face value for so long that we, we just don't question things. So when you start to look into it and, and really understand it, it's sort of a bit, a bit mind blowing in some respects, isn't it? So it's like, oh, yeah. And then <laughs> start to see the world in a completely different way. It's that fine line between sounding like a mad tinfoil hat conspiracy <laughs> theorist and actually having data to back you up and say, no, no, really, it is true, though. <laughs> you mentioned briefly about exam boards. So what are the different exam options for? So let's let's take psychology, first of all. What are the different exam options? Are they all GCSEs or are they IGCSEs as well? Yeah, they're all GCSEs. And yeah, and I get, especially in the home, home educating families often, because I know that GCSEs typically can be can be trickier to do. I will ask for IGCSE psychology. I believe, I'd have to check, I believe Cambridge might be IGCSE actually, but the AQA and Edexcel are GCSE, but um, they're available to home educators. So they, they don't need to worry about that. Um, and the same with sociology. They're all so there's a combination of IGCSEs and GCSEs because Cambridge I think yeah, got Cambridge, all IGCSEs. Cambridge is the IGCSE. Mm. Double check actually. I think Cambridge is <laughs> IGCSE. So I teach. I uh, I don't do Cam. I've not done Cambridge for GCSE for those subjects. I do for A level and it's international for the A level. So I'm assuming mm. it is for the GCSE. Um, but the other exam boards are GCSE. Is there much difference between the exam boards? Yes and no. Like each subject's kind of got a, a set criteria from the people who design and authorise the qualifications. So there's certain things that have to be studied, which means that for a lot of the content, it's the same for you know, the majority of the content. There are just a couple of subtle differences. For example, Edexcel, GCSE, there are some options, whereas there aren't in AQA. Um, and for some people, that's a, a deal breaker because, for example, criminal psychology is an option, an option mm. you can do with Edexcel. It's not in the AQA GCSE, that's not until AQA A level. But largely, sort of memory, research methods, attach, um, development, not attachment, social influence, um, they're all on both. Um, and then it comes down a little bit in terms of the question types, uh, slightly different, but the content is, is largely overlapping with a, with a couple of slight optional differences. The same for sociology. Um, so Cambridge has got mass media, whereas AQA doesn't. Are they both the same kind of mixture of multiple choice, long answer questions? Or is there one particular example that perhaps is good if you're not great at writing lots or anything like that? Is there a choice there to be made? They tend to all be quite essay based for sociology. AQA does have some shorter answer ones. Um, that's my, my personal preference for, for the sociology one is AQA for that reason. The other ones tend to be all a slightly longer answer questions. So if you're not particularly essay based, AQA is probably a bit a bit better balanced in that respect. That's for psychology, sociology. That's for sociology, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then psychology tends to be fairly fairly similar. Um, again, slightly uh, longer answer types for Edexcel than AQA. Not a huge difference, to be honest. That they're a bit more similar between the two for the psychology there. I'm going to make a sweeping statement here, but I've have found that AQA do tend to do slightly shorter questions in a lot of their subjects so i think the same goes for history though i may have got that completely wrong but my my vague memory of it is that aqa history was a fair bit more straightforward than the others for the style of question and the shortness 
Yeah, I think they tend to be a bit more formulaic in terms of you know you know what to expect and they have that running theme, I guess, don't they? Mm, exactly. And what about resources? Are there particularly nice textbooks for a particular specification? And are there lots of YouTube resources for these? Because they're slightly niche subjects, aren't they? Yeah, there are. And that's it's another reason why... Um, I, I opt when I, when I teach mine for AQA um, because I think that for students, teachers and parents, because it's kind of like the biggest board, there's a lot more resources out there. There's a range of textbooks and things as well and revision materials, um, some really, really good ones, some really high quality uh, things out there. The Edexcel textbook, um, not that I've seen the updated one, but I used to teach Edexcel. That was always really good as well. And there is a lot. There's some great YouTube channels. Um, there's one called Psych Boost, which is brilliant. It's a teacher that does lots of videos, uh, revision, quite short, accessible ones as well. So not sort of sitting and having to watch for an hour, but they're really accessible on the topics. And there's a, there's a lot out there, which is really good. Perhaps, Melissa, you could come on to our Home Education Matters Facebook group and post some of your favourite resources for us so that we've got a little list for anyone, anyone sitting these two subjects. Because sometimes when they're not standard curriculum subjects, it can feel a bit daunting looking for these things. Because when when it's something like biology or maths, there's you know YouTube seems to be full of things to help because schools sit them. But I'm guessing most schools don't sit these two subjects. Yeah, I think it's it's becoming big, but it is it's still not, you know, like you said, you know, history and geography will be an option everywhere. It's always on the options list where some schools and some places do offer uh, them and some don't. But yeah, I'll certainly be very happy to come and put a, put a list of things on there and explain the differences between a couple of the textbooks as well, because they do vary in a, especially for do sociology. They? You've got some really, one of the biggest things there is the accessibility with some of the sociology ones. So there's, there's for those that really like to so get stuck in and get a lot more depth and love reading text heavy books there's those ones whereas there's um, other ones that are a bit clearer for those that might be overwhelmed at just loads and loads of text so I'll happily put some pictures and list some of my favorite go-tos that would be great I mean one this is to be honest this is my main gripe with almost all GCSE subjects but when I looked at the textbooks for both psychology and sociology I was amazed at how efficiently they took a very interesting subject and made it very boring it's as if the writers have a niche in being able to create boredom out of really what is an inherently very interesting subject. Is there a textbook for either of those that you think is able to retain a little bit of that joy? <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually seen um, probably the older ones for, for psychology that are awful, but I know, I mean, there's a couple of very, I've got one that's very heavy. When I was trying to pick a, a recommendation, I, I bought a few updated ones to see for sociology. And yeah, so for one particular, I was like, oh, if you're, yeah, again, it's, it's, it would almost be off-putting. It's like just essays and essays of text. Um, but there's a really good one. Now, I never remember whether it's Collins or um, the other one. <laughs> there is there is one that's very nicely set out. I mean, I'll put it on there. I'll put it in the group. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's like a double-page spread on each topic, and it breaks it down. It's just got the key concepts. It's got pictures. It's got discussion questions. It's got research opportunities. So it brings it a bit more to life than just being, here's loads of text on the functionist view of the family. What about the kind of exam prep revision period for both of these subjects? Is it the same kind of thing? Is it lots of past papers, lots of writing? Or is it keywords, flashcards, that kind of thing? Or is it different for each different one? I think uh, past papers is always going to be brilliant to do. And under, under timed conditions, I would say as well, because that's a key one, because again, it's always a bit time pressured in the exam. And again, sometimes you get to see a theme that you can never predict, of course, questions, but you get to see a sort of theme of knowing what types of questions they could ask you, because there's only, mm -hmm. on a topic, there's only certain amounts. It will be a, a describe this, or it will be applied to a scenario, or it will be evaluate. So by doing all the past papers, that can be really helpful. As for the, the techniques, it's such a personal preference on that one. 
because some people liked, I was always, I'd like to write things out over and over and, and that would just help it stick, just how I like to do it. Other people um, need color-coded things. One thing I do think works, and people sometimes think I'm a bit mad when I say this, but it, uh, it works. Posters everywhere, even in the most obscure places, like you know, giant my map on your ceiling or back of the toilet door, because you know, <laughs> on the toilet, you're not really, uh, there's no, it's just there. And even if you're not actively looking and reading at that revision poster, sometimes just by it's going in still it's that information around you so that's a really good strategy I think it's just finding how how you like to work in a way that uh, is best for you for revision so I was never particularly um I can't listen to things but I'm not an audiobook person for example so I'd have to have a visual so I can watch videos I love watching videos to learn stuff if I was just listening be all right for a minute or two and then I'd just be off so I think it's about finding sort of being a bit self-aware really of knowing what works for you and and doing whatever works for you, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And again, that's one of the beauties of home education, isn't it? That you can assess your child's learning style and the sort of way that they take in information, but also retain information and then maximise that as much as possible. Um, and interesting, we, we do memory as a topic for psychology. And I think that's uh, another way where I think you kind of understand how your memory works through that process, which then helps with your revision, not just for psychology, but you can take that and apply it to other subjects. But yeah, and like you say, the, the beauty of sort of not having the, the constricted ways of doing things, even in terms of time of day as well. Um, I've always been um, a night person. I was practically nocturnal in my final final exams at <laughs> university, but I was just at two o'clock in the morning. That was my, that's my tie still is now, <laughs> which isn't so good when I have to be a bit of a morning person. But there was no point for me going off to the library at nine o'clock in the morning and trying to revise because I would just be half asleep. So again, knowing it, you know, do you work better in the morning? Do you work better after lunch? And sort of, you know, you can create your own kind of re revision structure to suit who you are as an individual, which is, is really important because if you force, forcing something often doesn't have any impact <laughs> apart from stressing you out. And it's true, actually, what you say that a lot of what you're learning in psychology is kind of what you're applying when you're learning psychology. And so you could really see that psychology allows you to explore yourself while studying a subject. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Learn lots of the intricacies and things and you know, the biology as well. I, uh, I did sometimes I used to think, oh, I wonder if they'll think it's a bit, was oh, it too sciencey and too, or they, but they, they love it. Even the ones that haven't said, oh, they really like science have always been like, this is absolutely fascinating, I guess, because it's, like you said, it's, it's understanding how you work as well. So understanding how neurons work and how that links to mood levels and, you know, serotonin for, for mood and, and happiness and yeah, the, the fight or flight response when you when you feel fear and things like that they find it really fascinating and it does you know you're in a situation you can kind of explain or you understand what's happening in your body and things there's so so, so many changes we go through and I know when I was growing up no one ever taught you things like, and you didn't know like you know there's extreme emotions and things like that mm. and I think that's where learning about it is you know it's valuable for yourself but also it kind of makes everything contextual and give it a purpose like if you're learning something when it does help you understand yourself or other people or the world it's meaningful isn't it it's not just sort of learning something for the sake of it yeah, um, and applicable as well, which helps teenagers, yeah. doesn't it? Because instead of getting the why do I need to know this question, it's actually, you know, answers itself because there's lots of reasons to know it because it actually is something they can gauge and judge themselves by every day. Yeah, absolutely. You see it everywhere. And also asking questions as well. It often sparks um, interest, wanting to learn about other things that, you know, not necessarily on the syllabus, but just of that nature. And, and I think encouraging that 
continually learning and continually questioning and, and discovering is, is really important as well. And they both subjects sort of lend themselves to that because sometimes you'll get answers, but you'll also raise more questions, which can be frustrating sometimes. But it's also good because it's, you know, it's like, oh, I never thought of this and I've got this new question and new idea. And, and that's that's really good as well and healthy, I think. Is there a, I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there a kind of popular book, like a kind of popular mass read book on either of these subjects that you think would be a nice one for teenagers to read alongside? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of really good general ones. I think, I think they're by DK Publishing. Again, I can put them on the, on the list mm. when I uh, go to the Facebook group, but they're literally called the, the Psychology Book and the Sociology Book. Oh, I have a it's couple a of those. Yeah, yeah, we have the economics book, the religion book. They're very good, aren't they? Yeah, so they'll, they'll be the same sort of format, I guess. But yeah, and again, it's a, it's nice and clear. You've got a double page spread on a topic, broken up, you know, presentations, nice. And it's a good, um, a nice, a good introductory one as well. I suppose if people are considering the subjects as well, and I think, again, if you've not done it before, it can be a bit um, daunting, especially if you're picking it for GCSE. Um, they're good ones to kind of have a look and dip your toe in, I suppose, and think, is, you know, is that something that engages me that I'd want to explore further? So I definitely recommend those because they cover a lot of things in enough detail for you to kind of get the gist of the subject and, and what's going on behind it, but not too much that it's kind of really heavy. So they're really good. And my last question to you, and again, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I think this is less, slightly less on the spot, is what is your favourite bit from each of the two subjects? What is the one that you really, the one topic you really look forward to teaching that is the one that you know everyone really loves and you love and it's just fun and you get kind of like, wow, kind of reactions. What's your favourite from each of those? Oh, do I get asked I have put you on the spot. <laughs> it's, it's really hard because um, sometimes students laugh at me because I'll be like, oh, I love this. This is the, it's the best topic. And then I say it for every topic. So <laughs> uh, it's really hard because I end up going, oh, God, I do love them all. Um, I don't know if I had, if I had to pick, if I uh, really had to pick. Um, it's changed a little bit in psychology, actually. I'm kind of, I always, I'm not a particularly natural science person. Well, I certainly wasn't when I was uh, doing my GCSEs and things. It took me a while to really kind of get into biopsychology. And I have to say, since teaching it, that's becoming one of my favourites now because I, just, I think, you know, understanding uh, how we work and everything. Um, otherwise, I think social influence in psychology is probably one of my favourites. Um, looking at the conformity and obedience. And um, again, just the power of uh, our social environment um, is really interesting. And, and the studies are very well known and quite a controversial one. So they're always really, really fascinating to teach. So if I had to pick probably that for psychology, um, are they the ones where everyone like, stands up in a waiting room and things like that? Is it that kind of thing? Yes, they're very famous. They're the video and the doctor. Yes, and then you probably heard of the, the Milgram and the shock study. Mm. And everyone's really surprised by that result. So that one or psychopathology, I really like that as well. So I'm going to narrow down to two. Is that okay? I can't quit. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I actually had an example in real life of conformity when I was... I went to the Channel Tunnel and there was a huge queue behind one of the booths and there were no cars queuing behind any of the others. But there was there didn't seem to be any reason why there were no cars queuing behind any of the others. So I just sidled up to one of the empty ones just to see. And it was it was fine. I just sailed through and everyone had just formed this queue and follow, and, and just assumed that the others maybe weren't open. And they'd all just conformed beautifully into this very long queue of about 40 cars. <laughs> It's interesting because I think we all do it on some level, don't we? And even when you know, um, I think that's the interesting thing about the subjects, even though sometimes you know what's going on behind it, we still do those things. Yeah, I suspect that conformity and home education are probably two values that don't mix that well. <laughs> so I think probably home educators are a bit naturally non-conformist. <laughs> 
And what about sociology? Because it sounds like the conformist one maybe links in with sociology a bit as well. But what's your favourite topic in sociology? Sociology, it's oh, it's, it's a tough one. It's either between education or crime and deviance. Well, um, how is education the most interesting? Because that to me sounds already sounds boring. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. And, and I think in some respects, even more interesting teaching it with home educated children because they've got that, that different experience. Because largely the, the content of it is based around the school system because that's what the, the research has been about. It's fascinating because it looks into, and I think possibly one of the reasons why a lot of home educated families like this part of it as well when we do it, you kind of explore things again that if you've kind of just run through the school system and everything was fine and, and, and it was all good you never think about so for me it was always really eye-opening when I studied it and I always felt like guilty as a teacher the first time I was like oh my goodness some of the things are horrendous because a lot of the topic is about you know is is what you learn in school beneficial for everyone is it meritocratic is it fair for everybody is there labeling going on and, and what good is streaming and setting and all those kind of issues within things as well does this mean that there's a that as a teacher there's somebody at the back of your class that puts their hand up and says does this mean we get to go home miss <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that home educated students would find that a really interesting topic. And what was the second one you said you were torn between education and crime and deviant? Oh, well, no, I mean, that's naturally fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned criminology, and I get the impression that it, which is the best if you wanted to maybe go into criminology? Because you can't do that at GCSE, can you? No, unfortunately not. Um, you can do it at A level. I guess they're all they're all linked, really. Um, if, I suppose if people know they definitely 100% want to go into um, criminology, like at university or something like that, then obviously going for the, the A-level with the first one for home educating. I'm guessing I mean, both GCSEs would be really beneficial oh, yeah. if you wanted to do Yeah, um, again, again, because in, in the criminal field, I guess you'll be looking at things on an individual level and understanding individual behaviour where the psychology is quite useful, but then the sociology behind sort of understanding social factors to do with you know the reasons for committing crime and the likelihood and what might have been going on in, in certain social institutions is again that's why they so I say both are fab they're different but they support each other as well and they kind of um, complement each other really well. It's interesting because crime and punishment. I sometimes wonder whether our school system and the qualifications are basically a massive way of terrifying our children into being law-abiding citizens because our religious studies has a big crime and punishment section. History has a, often has a crime and punishment section. It sounds like at least sociology, if not psychology, have a crime and punishment section. It's like, are we just there sort of like desperately trying to prevent them from committing mass murder when they get older? <laughs> yeah, the running theme. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining me today, Melissa. It's been really helpful. Where can our listeners find you on social media? And do you have a website, that kind of thing? Um, I do have a website. It's, it's a little bit work in progress still, but it's um, <laughs> uh, under my, my my Facebook page as well, which is Psychology Tuition. And my, my website is www.psychologytuition.com. It is a work well, in progress. Nice, so anybody does look that's a there, nice URL. Uh, I, I thought I'd pick a name that was kind of says what I do, like, you know, <laughs> make it clear. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's great. So we can find you on psychologytuition.com or exactly the same, but Facebook. Yeah, that's my page on there. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Melissa. It's been a whistle stop, but very interesting tour through psychology and sociology. We even deviated into deviation. So that's not bad, is it? <laughs> it's not bad. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.